Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com you're the mom the maid the keeper of the cookies you do it all and you look good doing it it's parenthood on a mother level here's your host denise hanitka hey everybody i'm denise hanitka and this is a brand new episode of on a mother level Episode 85 is the last in our little dad series that we've been celebrating as part of Father's Day. I just love talking to men and dads as a different energy on the podcast. They bring a different perspective and um, a new view. And I think it's important to celebrate the fact that dads are so important in our kids' lives and in our lives. And so Tim Stop is my latest guest and my last guest for Dad Month. So Tim Stop is his musician name. Um, in real life, though, he is Tim Stopulus, and he was born and raised in the Quad Cities um, in a big family that he's going to talk about. And he talks about adding another child to his own family. He and his wife have a six-month-old little boy named Luke and an almost three-year-old girl named Kate. And so he talks about how fatherhood has changed him as a professional and as a musician. And I love that he was so honest about the fact that it's a lot harder to write passionate, powerful music when you are in a happy marriage and you're cool being a dad and you're not, you know, young and single and writing songs about heartbreak. So it's a really cool conversation that I have with him today. At the end, we got into this insane topic about whether or not kids look like their dads, especially at birth. And I brought up some insane story about about whether lions can recognize their kids. And so at the end of the episode, I pulled some actual science about whether or not your kids look like the mom, the dad, and is it simply a matter of perception? So we'll get into that at the end of the episode. So Tim Stop is coming out with a brand new album that he recorded in his house during the pandemic. We talk a lot about that. And it was cool because we have a lot more in common than I would even have ever expected. We both have these careers where... Success can mean many different things. Success in TV news and in podcasting can be, you know, million and dollar contracts and huge amounts of fame. Same in music, you know, where you can be all over the radio and making bazillions of dollars and living in a mansion. Or you can be simply doing what you love and following your passion and finding longevity and success in your own way, on your own path. And so it was cool to exchange notes with him about that. So let's get right to Tim. He was sitting in his side room, surrounded by all of his instruments when we started talking. I was sitting at my kitchen table with my little microphone and computer. And so we started off by talking about the, the craziness of realizing what you can do from your home when you're forced to do it, as long as you have the right technology. So here we go with Tim Stop. That, and that's kind of been a cool revelation. I think it was pretty scary for everybody. Like, I did not plan on recording my own album last year, but I realized if you get the right software, you buy the right computer and speakers, you can just do it from your home. You don't need to go to Nashville or, or LA or whatever. You can get pretty good stuff done in your basement or your side room. No kidding. I didn't know yeah. you did that. Yeah, it's it just finished this week and we're going to release it in a couple months. So uh, 
I think it came out pretty good. I'm biased, obviously, but it was a fun process. And but it's no, it's just no different than anybody else in the last year. Where like you thought not going to the office, you wouldn't be as productive, or you didn't think you get things done, and you realize that actually, you know, we could, you can, and it's kind of nicer. I'm assuming that saves you a couple bucks too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and not just that, it's like I can do do it from now on too, right? Like I have everything. I I know what I'm doing now. So not only did it save tens of thousands of dollars up front, but like moving forward, I can just make my own stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about this new album. We're just kind of off and running if you don't mind. Sure. Of course. Um, so it's called Silver Lining. Um, and actually most of the songs were written before 2020. And I started the process like early in the year. And then <laughs> of course the pandemic happened and all of a sudden I had so much time on my hands. All my shows were canceled. Uh, live music, of course, was like the first thing to just get cut off. So uh, I had all this time. I'm like, well, let's get serious about this. So I, um, yeah, I, I, I dove in in earnest on this album and it's it's nine songs. Uh, the, the title track is Silver Lining. The album's called Silver Lining. But uh, it was a, a ton of, it was a huge learning pro uh, process. I didn't know the first thing about recording besides like oh you stand in front of the microphone you push record i got that part but there are so many details and levels to making an album that i just did not understand and frankly that i don't understand still but enough guessing and checking uh we got it to a place where we're really excited about it we used um some incredible musicians keith carlock is one of the foremost drummers in the world and he agreed to do our album and it was all remote wow. like I, I know i just sent him my tracks he would play on them and he'd send them back to us and we'd mix them. And it was the same thing with uh, my buddy Tim on bass and my guitarist, Michael. So it, it's crazy how much you can get done over email these days, but it, it got all wrapped up this last week and we're going to promote it and release it in the next couple months. So it's like building a cake. You're just adding all of these different layers and contributions and then it becomes a song. Yeah, um, essentially. And we have ideas that we... Um, we had for each instrument. So they kind of knew going ahead, going in what they'd be doing more or less, but they're all so good that you kind of just let them do their own thing. And then you kind of just figure out where they're supposed to go sound wise, where it, where it fits in the, the recording. And again, enough, enough time, enough guessing and checking. And I think it's, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> how, how do you describe your vibe? Because I know how I would, but, but how do you, you say it? I, I, I'm not sure I have a good way to do it. I would say it's probably like, piano driven um pop rock i think that's probably the best way to put it like it's it's definitely pop music but it's i hope it's like a little more sophisticated like there's just a lot of ja jazz harmonies going on in the piano um it's still fairly straightforward pop rock music but maybe a touch more sophisticated i hope i hope that doesn't sound too like condescending but <laughs> no not at all not at yeah. all so okay, so you wrote all these songs pre-pandemic, but how has fatherhood kind of shaped your songwriting? Has it changed your influences at all? Well, you know, I actually did write a song for my daughter when she was born called Another Big Day, and it was supposed to be on this album, but it didn't make it. Last second, we cut it off. So we're going we're gonna to eventually release that one, but uh, it didn't make the cut. So as far as, I mean, it certainly changes the, the process a little bit. It used to be... I mean, of course, having kids, I think there's not a single part of your life that doesn't change once you've had kids. So it's no different for, you know, my songwriting, I suppose. You know, it used to be whenever the mood struck, like I just grab the guitar, sit at the piano and and uh, work on my ideas. And now it's, you know, you have to find the right times and you're, you're writing in the mornings and the, the afternoons and you're not uh, out and about um, with all this time on your hands like you used to be. So. It certainly uh, shifted my schedule more than anything in terms of influences. <laughs> yeah, my biggest influences now are Sesame Street and Paw Patrol and those kind of things. I <laughs> did not realize getting into parenting <laughs> just how much my programming would be hijacked by the kids. It is like whatever they want to listen to is what's being listened to. And that might be our fault, but man, yeah, I haven't listened to as much serious music as I should have over the last couple of years. And I blame my kids for that. Yeah, you got to kick out the like Coco Melon like oh, gosh. in your head in order Coco to kind Melon. of focus on your sound again. Just the worst stuff. I mean, it's <laughs> listen, it's very nice and they love it. I'm sure it's great for learning, but it gets in your head and does not get out. It's brutal. Oh, it's so brutal. Terrible. I really, really hate it. <laughs> they, yeah, but they they figured those Coco Melon people they figured it out. They know what kids want because they are they get so 
locked in. My daughter just won't, her mouth is open for half an hour straight, locked, just on repeat, and uh, they, they love it. They're obsessed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that's kind of harsh. You kicked your daughter's song off the album. Yeah, that's, I know. That's a tough cut to make. I actually really liked the song, but it was uh, it's just a piano-based song. There was, we didn't have any other instruments lined up for it, so it didn't feel right in the mix. Um, and I, I do actually, I wish I had done it sooner because I, there, there was a timing piece to it, right? I mean, my daughter was born two years ago. Uh, I probably should have gotten that song ready and released to kind of go along with that, but... I, I didn't, but I still want to get it out eventually. Um, just because it's it's a really, of all the, the songs that I've written, it's obviously one of the more personal ones. And I think, you know, I, I if you told me five years ago that I'd be writing songs about uh, my daughter or being on a parenting podcast, I'd be like, what what, what happened? What, what are you talking about? But it, it's, it's kind of, that's the, the turn that life's taken. And I think you have to embrace that. And I, again, I, I think it's, um, it's fun to get these different, it's not reinventing necessarily, but these different phases of life, embracing those and telling telling your stories through the music. So I definitely want to release that eventually. I just, yeah. just didn't get around to it this time, unfortunately. Well, it's the evolution. You know, everybody has to evolve in their career and there's all kinds of influences. So I think I think it's a positive for, for any sort of creative person. Yeah, I think you're right. I watch some of my favorite artists and a lot of them, you know, don't get married you know i think it's tough for real big musicians you're going on the road and keeping up as you know especially with if you're trying to have kids that's a tough life to uh to balance and a lot of them can't pull it off so you know uh, a lot of them just have girlfriends and they keep writing about the same kind of stuff because they keep going through the same relationship problems uh i don't have that issue i i got you know i got married then i had kids so i had all those different like phases i i part of me is jealous of them because uh they constantly have that muse working for them they're constantly going through some really hard times i had this great balance in life and feel really stable i'm in a great place so it's not like the, the, the time, i feel like as an artist you're the times you're most driven to write is when things are really hard like right? you're going through a really tough time and uh i have to kind of search for the things that i want to write about now because i just don't go through those times anymore it's yeah it's, not that parenting's not hard of course it is we know it's one of the hardest things you can do but it's a different kind of hard right like it's like you're not sleeping hard uh and you're fighting with children that are you know super stubborn so it's a different kind of hard but um yeah it's been it's it's kind of neat to take these different phases of life and try to turn them into into inspiration and music okay so tell the audience about your kids you have two a boy and a girl yeah uh i got a two-year-old named kate she's gonna be three next month and she's wonderful uh, they're both wonderful, obviously. And then Luke is six months. And uh, yeah, so we had we had Kate when we were in Kansas City. We moved uh, to, to Chicago shortly thereafter. And then the pandemic kicked in. So I'm sure anybody who has young kids uh, right now feels my pain. It's just, I don't think we really, the sample size is not fair. Like we don't really know what it's like to have a normal life with little kids because we've all been shut in for the last year and things are starting to change a little bit. And we're kind of recalibrating but um it's been a, a wild experience obviously I, I i think i would characterize it by saying that it's much harder than i thought it would be and also much easier and what i mean by that is like so to give you some background on my experience with babies i was never a kid person i was never a baby person okay my siblings i come from a pretty big family one of six you know i had a lot of nieces and nephews my friends had kids and i always was really excited for them, but I never got, um, I never got too attached. I never like did a lot of baby holding. I never, I, I, and I feel bad about that. But <laughs> now that I know it, how much they mean to the parents, especially, but, um, I, I guess I would say that like, I just looked at them like, you know, they're kind of just blobs. Like they, they, they aren't people yet. Yeah. I was an, I was an idiot, of course, but I, at that point in my life, I'm like, oh, that's great. You have a baby. That's cool. So what else is going on? And, uh, <laughs> and then, it, and then it kind of like, once we once we found out we were pregnant, it hit me like, oh, this is going to happen to me now. I am not ready for this. And it was so daunting because I hadn't practiced with anybody else's kids. Uh, my first diaper that I changed was my daughter's diaper. And so I started reading books, trying to brush up and figure out like, all right, what's this parenting thing about? Like, what do I have to do? How is this going to work? And I feel like it doesn't really matter how much you read. You're, you're still, you're not no. going to be prepared. Yeah. So 
we had the child and I was terrified that I would have no idea how to, to deal with this kid. And then you realize as you, you kind of just like, yeah, there's, a, uh, there's like a breaking in period where you have to get used to the process. But once you do, the things that you were scared of, like, how do I take care of a child? Like the feeding, the, are we doing this right? Like that stuff actually comes pretty naturally. Like you just have that relationship with your child. And that's what I was gonna say, uh, I was so very wrong about the moment my daughter was born, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, she's locked in, her eyes are wide open. She's observing everything we're doing. This is not just a blob. Like this is, <laughs> this is a little person that's watching every last move that we make and is taking it all in and clearly super intelligent. And I, I so I missed the boat terribly on that. And I feel bad that I wasn't like more locked in and tuned to that when my, uh, my siblings and friends were having babies before this. I am now though, thankfully, so I've changed, but. Well, I mean, I don't think that there's anything to feel guilty about because I mean, moms say it too. Like sometimes mom's dirty little secret is that we're not actually baby people. We don't actually love every stage. And I think it's even harder for dads because you're kept at this distance of, you know, you're not carrying the baby. You're not, you know, locked into all the changes in your body and all of that stuff. So I think, I think that's actually a probably pretty common dad feeling where it's like, there's just a natural distance from the process. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably true. And to, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to respond to that in a second, but to get back to my point about it being hard and easy. So that's, yeah. that, that, that was the part that I thought was easier, like just kind of getting used to like the, the ins and outs of parenting, but the hardest part, it's not that like, so billions of people have done this, right? Over the course of time. So that was always my like uh, calming thought is that, you know what, we're doing this, billions of people have done it, we can do it too. It's not rocket science. Yeah. You don't have to be an intellectual elite to do this. But then you get into it and you realize, well, that's not the hard part. The hard part is that they are now a part of every last, uh, sector of your life like there's nothing that they don't touch anymore the 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 long nights the uh the just kind of like the emotional side of it that was way harder than i expected like i didn't ex i didn't really think that it would affect me as much as it did but yeah the, the long nights they're they're not easy and so, so yeah it's it's been a lot easier in certain ways and a lot harder than i expected and it's definitely uh it's as i said earlier it's just kind of change every every facet of, of life for us. And then did it all change again when you add the second? Um, it does. The dynamic changes, I think, I mean, you, you know, this, you've done it too. Um, but the, that daunting feeling wasn't there for us. I don't think, cause it's like, okay. Oh, we've done, we've done this. Like, yeah, it's an extra kid, but we, at least we know what we're doing. Um, I, we were really excited to have a second just because we wanted, we saw how Kate played with her cousins and we wanted to, give her that, you know, her own best friend here in the home. Uh, so we were anxious to get um, a second one for as a sibling for Kate. So we, we were more excited than anything. I, I would probably be a little scared to go for three and three and four. And we don't know what we're going to do yet. Yeah, uh, just because I, that sounds like another layer of work. And I've seen this, like, I came from one of six, my mom came from a family of eight. So I know it can be done. My brother's got five. Um, they, they, they can pull it off. It can be done, but it just sounds so, so much work. It sounds like so much effort. Uh, I, I've been told that if you have four, it doesn't change after four, like, because the oldest ones start pitching in, like there, there's like this balance that is struck. Didn't you just do a podcast with somebody who had, who had eight, eight. Yeah. yeah. Eight. And, and how, what did she say about that? Was it, is it similar thought? Yeah. So she, they kind of felt like a nice roundness at six. And okay, they were going to stop six. at six. Um, and then they, they had the seventh and then they sort of felt like, well, seven, you know, number seven's kind of like tailing out here three years younger than the rest. So we better have eight so that <laughs> seven has a friend. That's incredible. Good yeah. for them. Good for them. I, I don't, I can't picture it, but I guess it's one of those things that kind of just one piece at a time, one kid at a time. And it just adds up. And the next thing you know, like you can handle it. Yeah, exactly. Everybody just handles it, which is just amazing to me because we just got back from a family vacation in Florida and I felt like we were maxed out with our two, you know, yeah. we had our two and they're pretty high maintenance right now. And, and we had the conversation of 
what would we do if there was a third person here? Like who would be taking care of that person? Totally. <laughs> and obviously so, we would do it, but yeah, it feels incredibly daunting. Do you guys um, know, do you guys know yet? No, I don't, I don't think we really know. It's, it's, hard the farther away we get from baby stage because Everett's over two now yeah you know the, the farther it gets away the harder it is to imagine going backwards but you know like I've always just kind of let the universe decide and that's so great that's that's where we're at right now I would and say. you guys are both pretty busy I imagine so like you know have that baby just it's so much time, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And you know, like to be real frank, I don't necessarily think I want to be pregnant during like the first summer of mm. normalcy. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I'm going <laughs> to- You I'm deserve gonna... to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. So if we want to, if we want to talk about really being a selfish person. Um, <laughs> I don't think yeah, that's the case. Can we go back to Luke really quick? Because um, I saw a blurb of when you announced that he was born and he has a cool story behind his name. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So both of, and this is not something we planned on, but both of our uh, kids have my grandparents as one of my grandparents as their name. So Kate's middle name is Reinhold and she'll probably hate us for that eventually. No. Because it's a, it's a German name. It's by, so my grandfather, on my mother's side, his name was uh, Carl Alphonse Reinhold Liebscher. And he was uh, one of my favorite people in the world. He lived just long, long enough to meet Kate and then he passed away and he's one of my inspirations. He's one of the best people I've ever known. And I wanted to give him that, I thought it was a nice gift that I could give to him. Totally. And uh, even though it's not really a girl's name, but he was so, so thrilled by it. Um, and I, I, I need to look this back up, but he, he came to us with like a printed out version of what Reinhold means in German. It's something like one who is loved or something like that. I have to look that back up. But he um, was so, so thrilled that I, I thought, well, this is, this is a good thing. Maybe we should try it again. So with Luke, he was born on Veterans Day, I believe is what it was. Yeah. Um, Veterans Day. No, it was 11-11. Which day was that? No, it was um, the end of the war. So what is that? V-Day? Yeah. Anyway, it was the end. It was the 11th day, 11th hour, end of World War II. And my grandmother on my father's side and my grandfather, for that matter, they're both vets in the Second World War. And we thought it would be nice to tribute um, my grandmother on my father's side by taking her maiden name, which is Sullivan, and using it for Luke's middle name. Uh, we thought Luke Sullivan actually rolled off quite nice, a little better than Kate Reinhold, at least. So, yeah, that's why we went 11 11, uh, tribute to his grandmother, who is serving the first actually she was the first woman's marine and she's from iowa in, in iowa um so we thought it'd be a great a great way to be able to pay tribute to her that's incredible yeah, what a well, what a cool piece of family history yeah it was easy for us i didn't she did the hard part i mean she was yeah. uh, i said the name my, my son that part was easy Okay, so the other story I want you to tell is um, how you did a you did a concert overseas. Oh, that may, in Afghanistan? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that story. Was it Afghanistan? It was it was in Jordan, actually. Okay, so right in the middle there. But um, we were had been out. Let's see. We had just been out on tour in 2019. And Memorial Day was coming up. And we got the opportunity through a friend of ours who had a brother stationed in Jordan to go out and entertain the troops out there. And we thought, well, I'm not, you know, this is, could be a once in a lifetime thing. Let's, let's do it. Um, so my guitarist and I flew to Jordan and stayed on base there with the troops for, I want to say two or three days, you know, living in the barracks there. It was, it was such a cool eye-opening experience. Cause I didn't, you know, like you have ideas of what it, what life is like on a base, but until you've done it, you really don't know. Yeah. And you realize just how remote they are, are just like the, the surroundings uh, they live in. Like, and Jordan's friendly enough, but the Middle East certainly isn't to Americans in general. So uh, it's, it, it was a really eye-opening experience. And they were, the troops were so uh, grateful that we made it out there that it, was, it just made it so easy for us. Um, so we get to meet all sorts of incredible people, see the way of life they have over there, um, even if it's just temporary. And, uh, and then I flew to Paris and met my wife for a couple of days. So it was a win-win. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well tell me, tell me about the concert. Tell me about performing in that environment. So they have, um, I guess it's like a, like a rec room. It's a huge center, but it's like a bar, they have ping pong and billiards, they have a, a theater and it's all in this big open room. 
and then they have a stage for concerts. And uh, I don't know how much live music they get, maybe once a month or so. Um, but they, oh man, they, they ate it up. I think they were just thrilled to have a slice of home come visit them. And we yeah. played, we played a few of our songs and then a lot of like requests, whatever they asked for. And by the end of the night, we were getting a ton of requests and they were, they, they seemed really thrilled, like genuinely thrilled to have something that, you know, it's so easy to take for granted over here. Not anymore so much because we haven't had live music in so long. But at that point, uh, it was, it was really neat to see, um, them just connect to it as much as they did. Yeah. Well, and even being a Midwestern guy, people probably thought that was like felt close to home for some of them. Yeah. I, I, there, there were a lot of, uh, I don't know if there were as many Iowans, but there was definitely a lot of Midwesterners, a lot of people from, uh, you know, were in Chicago. So there was a lot of connections there too. And they were, they were surprised that we made that big a trip out to see them. And I thought, well, man, this is easy. You guys, again, you guys are doing all the hard work us flying out here to, to meet you guys and entertain you is, is nothing compared to, to what they do, you know? Yeah. So we were happy to do it. Did you meet anyone, um, that sticks with you? Um, you know, we, we have stayed in touch with a couple of them. Uh, you know, obviously certain people were, were really, uh, tuned into what we were doing and we, we stayed in touch over the last uh, couple of years. And my friend's brother has stayed in touch as well. And we would, you know, if the opportunity came up again, we would gladly make it make another trip, assuming that you know my wife will let me <laughs> go. Yeah. Now that we have multiple yeah. kids, yeah, and that is certainly another dynamic altogether. Is like just the idea of being gone for a, a long stretch with with two kids. It's different than with just one. There's so much more to do around here, so it's it's uh, it's tough. So I'm glad that I took the opportunity to get over there while I could. Yeah, and so that came around the time that you were out touring with Chicago. Is that right? Yeah, we had just done a, a full stretch, like a month with Chicago, uh, all that was, um, I think, mostly Midwest, but that was in May of 2019. And um, we, we actually cut that tour uh, short, because this came up, and we didn't want to miss it. So we missed the last few shows with Chicago to fly out to, uh, to Amman and drive to the base. So we, we uh, were disappointed that we couldn't do it all. But um, we were able to get back after that and we did our own tour, uh, our own like headlining tour late in 2019. And we had okay. obviously big plans for, for last year that, uh, <laughs> that never came to fruition. But that's the case for every, no one, no one's schedule, at least on the music side of things, when is planned in 2020, right? No, what was, do you remember like what your last planned show was like, or did you even realize at the time that that, that no. was gonna be it for a minute? I didn't because um, we didn't have much in, January, February, 2020. And that was at that point, no one knew anything was happening. So we really, um, I think the last time I played was probably over the holidays in 2019. I can't even tell you what it was because it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, this will be the last time we're gonna play for a while. So let's enjoy it. I wish I had, but yeah. um, no, things started like, I think right, right, right around mid-March is when all the cancellations started coming in and then the venues started getting shut down. So we, I couldn't even tell you what the last one was, um, but we had, we ended up playing one show in 2019 outside of that's not totally true because we did a, a little tour called uh, it's called the Tim stops at your house tour, which is, yeah, like, I was going to ask you about that. Cause I thought that was so clever. Oh, thanks. Uh, cause it was, it had been like, I don't know, six or seven months in the pandemic. And I felt like people were just getting really antsy and, and like, was there any way we could make something work? Because I think people were just dying for something to happen, something different, uh, change of pace. So we came up with this little idea to just do backyard shows, socially distanced, uh, masked and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think we didn't have a maximum amount of people, but it was never much more than like 20 spread out. So uh, we went to people's backyards and uh, we even did one outside of the amphitheater. But other than that, that, that was the only tour we did. That was so much fun too, because uh, because of the, the circumstances, because we didn't think we were going to play any shows at all in 2020, the fact that people were willing to, to bring us into their homes and willing to give this a try. And as far as I could tell, every, everybody was safe. So that's, that felt like a big success, even though they were small shows. Um, it was, it was just nice to get back out and, and see people. Cause it had been so, I think we take, again, we took it for granted before that, and we'll probably take it, take it for granted again, but those six months, you know, right when it started, when you couldn't see anybody, those are tough. So it was great yeah. to get out and, and be able to connect with people and 
bring friends together for even just a night, you know? Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the time that you spent on the road with Chicago? Do you have any like favorite memories of that time? Oh boy. Well, I've done so many tours with them. I've done probably five or six now. I started touring okay. with them in, 20, in 2012 and we've done so many tours that I'm trying to picture one moment that really stuck out. One that sticks out now is um, in 2019, the first tour I did as a father was with Chicago and my full band. And we, uh, I think it was in Indianapolis, Kate and Maria came to the show and came backstage. And I actually was able to uh, walk Kate out onto the stage. And she was just this little, little thing. I'm sure I have a picture somewhere. Yeah. I'll have to find that for you. Uh, and the crowd just seemed to love it. I mean, who doesn't love seeing a little baby? So it was really fun to bring her out and kind of share that moment with her. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of other um, moments like that that I uh, am forgetting. Another big one was being able to play at Red Rocks because that's just a bit of a... Oh my gosh. I've never yeah. been there, but like to play there. Wow. I hadn't been there either. And, you know, I feel like it's one of these things where it might be so hyped that it could be overblown. That that okay. was my concern, but it's not. Like I got out there. <laughs> it, it is as, as good as advertised. Um that's kind of how I felt about the Grand Canyon too. It's like, you hear so much about the Grand Canyon, you see pictures, it's like, ah, oh, that's cool. But then you go out there and see it and you're like, oh my gosh. It's kind of similar with Red Rocks. When you get out there, it's just so unique and it's so uh, naturally beautiful that, um, so I played the show, which was again, just a, such a unique experience because there's no other place like it. Uh, it was sold out. The crowd was um, so generous to me because I, I was opening for two of their favorite bands probably. So they they were so uh, gracious with me and they they were so attentive. It was it was a thrill to play there. And then I went out and watched Chicago's set from the crowd, and I actually enjoyed that even more because when you're up up in the crowd, you're looking down on the stage, you're seeing the sunset over these you know beautiful rock formations. Uh, it is a really really neat experience. So I highly recommend getting out there. Yeah, oh, definitely. Do you have a like bucket list place that you still want to play yet that you haven't? Mm. I mean, that, that was the obvious one before I played there. Okay. Um, gosh, great question. I don't, but I'm gonna, but I'm going to find one now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go create a bucket list <laughs> after our conversation because there's so many great ones. Like you know, if if you're if you could play Alpine Valley, right, or the Gorge, or you know Albert Hall or Carnegie Hall, any of these absolutely iconic and uh, historic venues, I I wouldn't say no to any of them. So yeah. <laughs> I'll have to figure out which one is on the top of my list and then make it happen. I guess. Okay, so obviously you're still figuring it out, especially you know because of the last year and and adding Luke to the family. When when you go on tour next, do you think the whole family will come? Is that what you would want? Or are you more like, this is my work time? Like, what's what's your <laughs> ideal? How do you figure that out? How do you make that decision? I think it'd be really fun to have the whole family with me. I think it's highly unlikely. So my wife is a working lady. She's um She's got a great career uh, of her own. So she's really busy. And she works from home. In fact, she worked from home before the pandemic hit. Oh, cool. So that started like about a month before... Um, the pandemic hit so she was already remote and then ev literally everybody went remote so she was doing it before it was cool anyway so she's <laughs> she's super busy and i think the idea of taking the kids on the road as fun as it sounds would be just it was to be so hard i don't know how i could do it like yeah you're already balancing and juggling so many things on the road as it is i, I don't know if that would work but um it is going to be it's going to look different though i think you know with with two kids in general i don't i haven't had to think about this stuff very much at all besides 2019 when we were touring when we had one kid but now that we have two kids um it just throws an extra wrinkle into it my guess is at least for this year and we'll have to see how it is moving forward is i'll, I'll probably do shorter stretches like three or four day tours come back and then do another one next week come back do so it's not as much like i'm going to go out for a month at a time i'm going to do more weekends and in fact that actually it works better for us because um, we find that people are more likely to come out on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday anyway. So yeah, if we can juggle, you know, the home schedule with, uh, doing some, you know, some great weekend shows, it might keep us from going to, you know, like Europe or, uh, to L it might be harder to travel to California, but we'll still be able to tour. I'll be able to juggle it with the kids. 
that's the most likely scenario. As much as I'd like to just hit the road like old, like old times, with the kids, it's more likely that I'll be doing three or four night stretches and getting home to, you know, be a dad again. Yeah. So career-wise, what is it, like, what is making it to you? Do you feel like you've made it or do you feel like that's still, like, is that an elusive goal that we're all out there trying to make it? Like, what is making it to you? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. And I don't think anybody has an answer for it, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I think... I, <laughs> Everybody says, you know, you've know, you'll know when you've made it. But my thought is like, if you are doing what you set out to do and it's sustainable, that that to me is is making it. Especially nowadays, it's like with music, it's the, the landscape has shifted so much that it's it's really hard to know which which way is which. So just surviving and being able to make music and doing what you love. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'll ever be on the, the same level as a, a Justin Bieber, right? But at the same time, that allows me with uh, to have all sorts of flexibility to to you know to be a parent and to write the music that I want to write and produce the music I want to produce and I'm not beholden to all these different forces and I'm not nearly as famous which is a you know a good and bad thing I guess right like so there's right. I think it's so easy to look at you know artists uh, celebrities people whatever whatever you know eminent people are in your field and say. That's, you know, that's what I want. But, you know, you got to ask yourself, is it really what you want? Because yeah. there's so much that comes along with that fame and that and that level of notoriety that um, I think it's just really easy to say, I want to I want to be huge. I want to be a star. But I don't know if you really would. So yeah. I and it's easy for me to say that now. I just happen to like the balance I have in my life. And so have I made it? I mean, certainly not like <laughs> guy like Justin Bieber, but at the same time, I'm doing what I I enjoy. I get to follow my my muses, and I don't feel like I have to try to please anybody with that. And that is that's a dream come true. Yeah. Well, and I think I understand. Um, I, I understand exactly what you're saying because so many people will be like, "Well, you're in in Iowa. Like, aren't you at some point going to go to a better station?" Like, they always think that because I'm not Katie Couric, I must be very <laughs> unhappy with myself. But honestly. And I'm sure you've done the same thing. It's like you make conscious choices along the way that are taking the big picture into account. For some people, this would not be the life that they choose. But for me, I know that there's a lot of things I would have not had had I taken that different path. So it's probably similar- not saying that I could have been Katie Couric. Not what I'm saying at all. I'm, you, you absolutely <laughs> could have. I won't hear that at all. Uh, or you still could be, whatever you want to do. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think there's a lot, so it's probably similar in your in your line of work, but there's a lot of that um, people look at, you know, successful musicians and they expect a certain, if, if you aren't doing that, if you aren't uh, on the top 40 radio, if you aren't on the Grammys, well, so you're not, you're not making it, right? Like that you yeah. are, you haven't found success yet. It's like, well, actually, that's only one way to look at it. And yes, of course, that is certainly one measure of success, but there's so many layers to it that... Uh, to that lifestyle that, you know, I, I don't think people take that into account when they look at like the idea of success. Would I like to have a song on top 40 radio? Sure, it sounds great. But I also love the freedom and flexibility that I have doing what I do right now. So there's, I imagine there's a trade-off uh, and I'm gonna keep writing the best music I can. And if something happens in terms of like global recognition, okay, great, I'll take it as it comes, but I'm not gonna like try to, uh, upset the balance that I have in my life to, to go after that, you know? Right. Right. There's always a trade-off. And I mean, so many people couldn't make a career in music at all for a year, you know, right. let alone the years that you've done it. And same with television news. And in some respects, same with podcasting, the longevity yeah. is success in a way. Right. Just doing what you enjoy for a long period of time. It is, they're all tough. They're all tough businesses to be in. I mean, there's so much uncertainty it's it's difficult to monetize oftentimes. Uh, you're kind of constantly looking for the next thing and you gotta be, you know, constantly active. There's no there's no safety net underneath you. So it's a daunting thing that a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't undertake. And again, like I think, at least in my line of work, a lot of musicians would, would try it for a couple of years. And if they haven't had a breakthrough where they are, you know, getting into the, the major labels or, you know, they aren't, having millions of views on YouTube, they'll look at it as a failure and move on. Uh, I, I look at it just in the sense that this, I didn't get into music to 
to become rich and famous necessarily. I got into music because I, I love making music. Yeah. And uh, I love writing songs. I, I knew I wanted to continue writing and, and making my own music. And I still feel like I've, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, but I feel like I'm I'm just now kind of starting to really learn how, how to do that. And it's kind of embarrassing to say that because it's been like, you know, however many years. But uh, so I wouldn't want to, I, I certainly wanna, wanna, wouldn't want to stop doing that. And I'm glad that I, I'm in a position where I can continue doing it. And I don't feel like, oh gosh, I haven't, you know, uh, you know, I haven't hit the top 40 or whatever it might be, whatever your like little versions of success might look yeah. like. Uh, I, I would, I don't get freaked out by that because again, I'm, I'm achieving the goals little by little that I've set out to achieve. I'm doing the things I love to do. And I'm, I think in a small way, I'm leaving behind a legacy by, by doing that and creating the, creating the music that I really want to create. So, um, as long as I can continue to do that, I'll consider it a success. Yeah. Do you feel like you do it 40 hours a week? Like, like it's, so today's a random Wednesday. Like what would you be doing today? Today would be, uh, it, it totally depends on what's happening. Like with the album, there was a lot of hours spent uh, mixing, uh, producing, uh, getting that, because I took, just learning the process of, of mixing and producing an album took a really long time. There's also uh, practicing, kind of, I, I like to keep my piano chops up. I love to work on um, classical music like Chopin and Rachmaninoff. I like to uh, continue writing. So I spend time every day doing that. Uh, I spend uh, usually an hour working out. That's kind of an important part of my day. Uh, and then we have we have rehearsals. Right now we're rehearsing twice a week with the band. I got a show tonight that'll be two hours long. Yeah, and then there's, of course, there's the social media aspect, trying to create content, create new videos and new clips. Uh, so it kind of depends on what's happening each week. But there's plenty. Oh, man, there's plenty to go around. I'm sure you, I'm sure you know that very well. Yeah, yeah. When you're trying to, like, create your own social media brand, all that kind of stuff. The, the work never really ends. So there's always something to be done. Um, there's the email side of things, uh, you know, lining up shows. There's um, responding to inquiries and comments and all that kind of stuff. And so, so you do that all yourself? You don't have a team doing that? Uh, I don't. I, I did before the pandemic yeah. when, when, we, when we were booking uh, shows, but then it, it all kind of stopped and yeah. I, had, I, had to let, I had to let that uh, go. And I started like, well, I started shifting everything towards uh, how can I do this myself? You know, how can, I, can I tack all this stuff myself? And it's been going on well, going okay so far. It's definitely, <laughs> it's a lot to bite off. But um, yes, I mean, it's, it is just a team of one plus my musicians. I have a, a buddy of mine who helps me produce the, has been helping me produce the album. His name's Justin. Shout out to Justin. Um, but no, it's pretty much just a team of me. Wow. And yeah. I just, yeah, you mentioned it a little bit, but I imagine adding social media and keeping that brand active. That's the one part of my job that I sort of hate. Oh, it's terrible. Well, actually, it's more like a love-hate relationship because it has rewards, <laughs> but like overall, I hate it. <laughs> it is, it because it, it, you feel like you're constantly keeping up and it's never enough. Never, uh, never right. enough. doesn't matter how many likes you get. It doesn't matter, how, like it's, it's never quite enough. And it's, it's, and that's like, the sickness, I think, that is social media is it doesn't matter how well you do on social media. It's never good enough. And there's always another level. And uh, that's why I, I love checking. I took a, about a month break from social media and even posting. And uh, it was so, like, freeing. It felt so healthy. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I, I was, like, hesitant to come back. But, of course, you have to because that's where everybody goes nowadays. And, it, and like you say, it is fun connecting with everybody. Like, it, it is – there is a side of it that's like, okay, I can see why this is as – popular as it is, you know, like you get to instantly connect with all your fans, your friends, and it, it's a challenge that can be rewarding. If you come up with content that you're proud of and then people connect with, like, my gosh, I had a post last week that I don't, again, I'm not a big social media, I don't have a huge following of that, but I had a post on, um, on D-Day. I posted about my grandfather that I mentioned, and um, it was a literally off the cuff thing. I just, I realized it was D-Day about halfway through last Sunday. And well, it was June 6, obviously. But I, I was like, hey, you know, what? maybe I should do a little post, just a little shout out to Papu is what I called him. He was, he was uh, Jim Stopulus is his name, but he was Papu to us. And I couldn't find a picture that I was particularly thrilled about posting. So I just found one on Google, which is like the cheap, the, like a total cheat thing. I feel terrible about doing it, but like, I thought that's a good picture of my grandpa. I'll use that one. And so I just, I threw it up on Instagram and Facebook and said, I kind of gave his a quick story of what he did. He flew 
a B-17 bomber um, over the beaches on D-Day. So he actually saw the incredible like naval armada going towards the beaches. And he said like the entire sea was covered. It was unlike anything he'd ever seen. The skies were covered. And he did, uh, he did, he ended up doing 30 missions uh, in Europe, which is like the chances of surviving that are right. next, next to nothing. The chances of surviving one mission was like, I think they put it at maybe 30%. Some people will say it's, um, wait, no, I'm sorry. Other way around. The chances of not surviving was 30%. Some people would say it's higher, but the fact is he did 30 and the fact that he, he made it back is, is just crazy. Wow. Anyway, I, 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 I told that story online and you know, it was like a normal post at first. And the next morning I'm like, oh, Hey, Maria, I think this is kind of like, it's kind of, I feel like people are kind of connecting to this. It's like been shared a thousand times already. I'm like, that never happens. And, um, sure enough, like it, it took off and like ended up getting 90 some thousand likes with, oh uh, and, and like 8,000 shares. Or something. I was blown away. And it was so gratifying to see all these people commenting, like, you know, God bless your, your grandfather for what he did. And, and like having him get, not that he didn't get any recognition during his life, I'm sure he did because he was a bit of a hero, but to see all these people uh, so grateful for what he did, those are, the, those are the good sides of social media and you know, getting to connect with the entire world in an instant and you know, sharing your story that way. That, uh, that kind of makes it all worth it, I think. Yeah. There are well, those moments. Yeah, well, because that sounds like it was organic. It was completely authentic. And those always do incredibly well. But there's almost like this element of like, even when you're trying to be authentic, you're never really actually authentic. But that yeah. was a moment where you weren't trying to do anything other yeah. than just like, this This is it. You know, this is this is one part of my story. Yeah, that's, that does seem to be the case, right? Like, it's always, maybe this is not always the case. I don't know. I've only had really one post do this, but it, se it seems like when people are, when they have these posts that, that do blow up, it's like, I never saw that coming. I did, yeah. can't believe that happened because it is, like you say, just like, just a genuine, unambitious thought and people love just, they can feel that or something, you know, I, maybe that's yeah. it. I don't know. No. And then it's hard because the next time you go to post something, you're like, all right, how yeah. do we how do we recreate how that? Do, how do we tap back into that? Yeah, no, I, and I, you can't. I, I knew, you can't replicate you can't. it. I know very well that I won't, I won't be doing that again again soon. <laughs> we'll just go back to the you know the normal posts. But uh, it was it's just cool to see that, and it's cool to uh, to connect with so many people at, at one time and to see your your grandfather's story like really resonate. That was that was a neat that was a neat moment. Yeah, that is very cool. Okay, so Father's Day this upcoming weekend. What does Father's Day look like at your house? We, uh, it's a great question. I don't know. I'm sure my wife has a big thing planned. Just kidding. <laughs> if, you're listening. if you're listening, dear, you, you're welcome to do it. Uh, uh, we're actually going to the Quad Cities, believe it or not, because okay. we have, um, my family's still back there. My dad's still back there. And I think we have a couple that just, what, what, there's like a, some sort of family celebration going on. So I, we'll be in the Quad Cities, probably you know, playing golf, growing out, just the classic Father's, Father's Day stuff. I don't think there's anything crazy. What about you? What, what do you have, guys? What, what do you guys going? You know, I, uh, so bad. I haven't even thought about oh, it um, outside of like, I know like what, I know what gift I want the kids to, to get my husband. But <laughs> I just have not like executed that because I have a baby shower that I'm going to tomorrow. And so mm. I got to think about getting the gift for that. And then it's I can much. think about the gift. You know what I mean? Like I live my much. life like three hours at a time. I can't, I no, cannot more handle than much. I cannot that's handle much. And you know what? This is, we have a, like a letterboard sign on our, uh, our hutch right when you walk in the front door and it still says happy mother's day mother's day is going to take it's just way more important so like maybe I'll, maybe they'll switch it to father's day like just for the day and then we'll go back to it mother's day is is the big one father's like listen we're important but we're no mothers so as long as you i think you know say happy father's day maybe get him a beer you're, you're fine <laughs> that's all good grab him a beer from the fridge one time and you're fine <laughs> Let's see. Let's see what else do I have for you. It's interesting though that you say that you know that mom moms are the big one and and you know this is an audience of moms. Uh, what it, what is it that you think like we as moms or like we as wives should know about like dads and and how you want to be viewed by us and in mm. the home and you know like what what is it that this group of moms needs to hear? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I. I would just start by saying, and of course, I only have one wife, uh, so I don't know how it is in every other household, but 
I just marvel at, it seems to be pretty universal, but she's just tireless. I mean, like the amount of effort, like I talk about how it, how hard it is to get up in the middle of the night or get up early with the kids and do all, she's doing twice as much as me and basically never complain. We always complain just for fun, but not really. Yeah. Like, she, she loves, she loves doing it. She's got a, she's got a job that keeps her busy and she still has nothing but time for her kids nothing but endless patience. Like there are times where I want to throw my baby out the window. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Just like you're, you're holding it in the middle of the night and Luke's crying. You're like, I can't handle this anymore. Uh, I lose my patience so fast and she is the exact opposite. She has nothing but patience and time. So I, I just marvel at uh, the amount of just love and patience that uh, mothers have. And it, this is something that I think I learned um, just right when I met Kate, I mentioned this before, like not only was she just alert and there, but that that love that you feel is is it is a different thing. I mean, you hear about it all the time, like the love of a parent, right? And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, it sounds great, but what does that mean? And then I had a child and you realize just how deep that is and how important it is, probably because of those moments, like you know they are gonna drive you crazy sometimes. Yeah. I think you have to have that built in deep, like unending love to get through the hard times, but it's real. I mean, that, like it, the feeling that I got having my, having my kids, it's just, I didn't realize that it could be quite like that. Like, I love my wife, I've loved my family, but the love you have for your child is just different, right? Like it's so unconditional, so deep, so um, selfless. And, you know, I, I see that, I felt it myself, but I see it through, you know, my, my wife's accents with her kids or with with the kids uh even more so it's just it really is such a powerful thing that uh i can't and again i can't believe i'm saying these things because if you told me these things before i was a parent i'd have said okay sure yeah whatever but then you experience it and you realize just how real and how powerful it is no i completely agree and i regularly feel that way when i look at my four-year-old because obviously I don't, I don't want my kid to think he's more important or better than anybody else but when i look at him i I think in my head all the time, like, I hope you know how unique you are. I hope you know how special you are. And I hope you know that like, that like I am rooting for you when no one else is rooting for you, mostly just because they're rooting for somebody else in the active moment. You know what I mean? But I just like, look at this little human and I think, gosh, you just don't even know how important you are to me, right. you know? And that's what makes them special, right? Like if for no other reason than they are your child and you are their parent. And that is a really special, special thing. And it's again, it kind of sounds cliche, but it's not like that alone makes them incredibly special. Like that, having that, that place in someone's life is, uh, yeah, it's, it's unlike anything else. And it, it really blew me away when I realized that. Another unique thing I thought, <laughs> and this is something that I thought, I find this is totally off topic, but I thought I was thinking about this today. Um, when my daughter, when she was born, she immediately, immediately we could tell she looked exactly like me. And I was, I was like, that's great. That's cool. I mean, I like that obviously. Um, and then yeah. my son was born and he at first kind of looked like my wife's father, but every day he's starting to look more like me. And I had this theory and maybe this is theory is already out there because both my kids look like their father. Is there something to this? And maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but you know, like for the first however many thousands of years of human life, you know, up until just recently, paternity tests didn't exist, right? Like, so do you think there's some biological trick that oftentimes kids will look like their father just so their father knows that they're there and that they're theirs and they are supposed to stay and take care of them? Is that a crazy thought? Yes. No, I think it's real because I once read one time that there's something about like like in lions was the example where baby lions look like the, the dad lion for that exact reason. So the father recognizes them. And I said that to my friend Casey once huh. I was like, yeah, I'm so crazy about these lions. And her answer to me was, well, how the heck does a, does a father lion know what he looks like? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a really good point. And so I kind of just like ended that that there and I don't tell that story anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a good response, but there probably there probably is something to it. I mean, I don't know. Maury Povich has not been around forever, right? So we have to figure exactly, out exactly, exactly. I, I, so I have no, no idea if there's any truth there's to something, it. There's something, you know, purely biological about about yeah. I mean, we know recognizing their children. 
we know who the mother is. That that part's easy. But sometimes, you know, before like, I don't know, it's just the thought I had. And maybe there's something to it. But either way, I'm not complaining. Like I, I not that I'm like trying to pass on what I look like to my kids. I had no intention right. that I, I like. And that's another thing. Like people talk about what gender they want, what they want from the kids. I have never cared at all. Like even before we had our first one, we didn't have, we have a boy and a girl now. So it's all balanced out and that's great. But like before we had any, I was like, I have no control over this. I couldn't care less. I'm gonna love them the exact same, no matter how they come out. So I, I've never really quite understood that. But now that they come out looking like me, it's um, uh, it's not reassuring. Like I didn't, I didn't think the milkman had been here or anything right. like that. So I wasn't worried about it. But I thought it was an interesting thing. I, I do wonder if there's something to that theory. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because both of my kids have and always have looked like me. Okay, see, there both you go. Both of my kids do, and yeah, and there was no like rejection, you know, because <laughs> they look like me. I don't know. It's something about the Hanitka genes are are much stronger. There's, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know. Like my um, my grandma, we saw her this weekend in in Palatine, and she she looked at Everett, and Everett has he's my two year old. He has kind of like longer hair because it just looks really cute on him, and he just has like a very soft face. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, I'm sorry, he looks like a little girl, and I'm like, yeah, and it's not even the hair; it's because he has a little bit of like a little lady face, and it's because he looks <laughs> like me. Like he just. He just has very soft little features and and so does my four-year-old where their you know their noses are just 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 so and they have you know kind of like little like pouty little lips you know but, but that'll play well know, later you put, though you put a beard on that face and they'll look like my husband real fast see, there you go see i think that's actually a good thing like for a guy like that will age well i think <laughs> Like if you look, if you get soft looks, like you don't want to like look old immediately. And some guys that just look really manly and as a, when they're young, just grow up to look older. So I don't think that, I think that totally plays. I think that's a yeah. good thing. And again, like, and it's not like if my, if my kids ended up looking like my wife, I, I, again, I wouldn't care at all, but it's just, you know, it's just interesting. Yeah. So you, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, and it all, it all works out in the end, but it's just kind of a fun thing to talk about. And it's, it's really interesting to watch, like, to see what, traits come through from each parent like it's just it's like a perfect mix and you never know what you're gonna get but it's it's a fun process to watch for sure completely agree how can people find you and connect with you and listen to your music tim yeah so first of all thank you for having me this is uh, it's such a rare thing like nine times out of ten when i'm on zoom i'm singing for people like they don't yeah. want to talk to me they just want, just sing for me just dance okay <laughs> so uh this has been a this has been a fun uh a fun hour for me but if they want to listen to my music which i I think it's probably better to listen to my music than to hear me talk. So check that out, timstop.com, T-I-M-S-T-O-P. Or you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at, at timstop, yeah. Do you know of Pretty any simple. shows coming up in the Quad City? Yeah, we do have one. Um, our first public show back is next month at the Tangled Wood. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I think it's an outdoor uh, garden, maybe? Yeah, garden. yeah, it's um, a great place. Yeah, we're playing there July 10th. Uh, I believe that's a Saturday. Saturday, July 10th in Bettendorf. So we're gonna be playing uh, a bunch of the new the new music. Hopefully we'll be back, you know, multiple times. Hopefully things are gonna open again and we can start playing shows and we'll get to see all you guys on the road. Well, I'm hoping this year is like the like the roaring 20s all over again where yeah. people wanna get the heck out and do I think some that's fun the case. stuff. I mean, that's the point of the, that's why we got these vaccinations, right? So we can all just go live life, live, live life again. So hopefully people are doing that. Exactly. Cool, well, if you have, if you have time, come by and uh, all you listeners, same thing. Love to see you. Thanks so much to Tim for an awesome and really fun interview. Um, so I decided to dig up some actual science or some actual research about the whole dad's babies look like lions thing. Okay. All right. So there's an article in The Atlantic, okay, from 2019. The headline is, The Myth That Babies Look More Like Their Dads. Okay, so I'm just going to read some passages. Okay. That children look more like their fathers is a common idea. In 1995, two researchers set out to determine whether it was, in fact, true. Neutral judges were shown black and white pictures of one-year-old children's faces and asked which of three given adults the kids most resembled, either three men or three women, one of whom was always the biological parent. The children were determined to look most similar to their biological fathers. 
Indeed, one interesting result of this research is the finding that a father's perception of whether a child resembles him can change based on the amount of time he spends with the child. Another study found that after fathers did a massage exercise with their infants, they rated the infants as looking more similar to them. There's also the concept in another article that I read about, is there an evolution, as Tim pointed out? Is there is there a reason why babies might look more like their fathers or the fathers might want them to look more like them? Okay, so um, here's from another article. This behavior has its roots in evolution, the researchers suggest in a new study. Those fathers that perceive the baby's resemblance to them are more certain the baby is theirs, and thus they spend more time with the baby. Evolutionary theory predicts that parents will spend more time caring for children who are genetically related to them, thus upping the odds that those children grow up, have babies of their own, and pass on their genes, the researchers wrote. By contrast, by evolutionary standards, investments in unrelated children are deemed wasteful because they reduce investment in genetically related offspring. So yeah, there's a little evolutionary portion and there's also, um, you know, just like a, a perception and, and, and a connection um, that parents feel with their children that kind of makes, makes you feel like they look more like you. So anyway, kind of cool. Um, I did Google like lion's lions and fathers and all that came up was a bunch of articles about Mufasa and Simba so that was not what I was looking for um, so to be determined if you are a researcher out there who um, who has done some work on this call me you guys thanks so much for listening to another episode of on a mother level episode 85 We have a huge library. I hope you will check out some of our other episodes. Two more episodes in the Dad series that came before this. Next week, we'll get back to some great moms. I can't wait for you to meet my guest next week. She firmly believes that more needs to be done for moms in their postpartum days. And she is creating a place for you to get the attention that you need, especially when it comes to pelvic floor therapy. And that is coming to the Quad Cities. And so you'll want to pay attention to the Instagram for updates on that episode. You can follow along at On A Mother Level. See some preview clips of Tim Stop's new album, Silver Lining. That is on his Instagram, at Tim Stop. And you can check out that concert coming up in the Quad Cities next week. I definitely think I'm going to go check it out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of On a Mother Level. And thank you to the dads who have lent their expertise. Because no matter what here on this podcast, we try to show you that when it comes to parenthood, we can relate. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.